the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of our program on this, it's Tuesday. It's a nice, uh, pleasant, sunny uh, spring afternoon. Wow, look at that, folks. Temperature right around 70 degrees. I mean, just ideal weather. It's going to be nice all afternoon, a little bit of rain tomorrow, as you just heard in the uh, forecast. But this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by R.E. Cooking and Heating. As we are transitioning from spring and then pretty soon it'll be summer call re coogan and heating today at 732-6562 732-6562 re coogan and heating helpful trustworthy reliable explore their services plumbing heating and cooling residential services let us into your home don't fix it alone their website is recooganheating.com, recooganheating.com. Call them today. Helpful, trustworthy, reliable. How about Central Air? Or maybe you're having a plumbing problem. Call RE Coogan and Heating today. From winter to summer, the trained technicians provide 100% service, one customer at a time. Service calls, maintenance agreements, installation, R.E. Coogan Heating, proud to help residential customers pride ourselves in making customer service satisfaction top priority. Call them today. You can also find them on Facebook. It's R.E. Coogan Heating, 732-6562. So uh, the world, obviously, everyone is, is waiting now. Nation braces for verdict as jury deliberates the Chauvin case, which is the death of George Floyd. Now... Someone just sent me, my friend Bruce sent me an interesting article, Manslaughter in the Second Degree, Culpable Negligence. Uh, This was in National Review. I will touch on the protests from last night. We'll talk about that a little bit. But uh, let's see, George Floyd's death. How should the jury decide the charges against Derek Chauvin? Chauvin, excuse me, comes down to intent. Monday morning. Prosecution defense summed to the jury murder trial, Derek Chauvin, Chauvin allegedly causing the death of George Floyd. Minneapolis, of course, tender hooks, other major cities. It's inevitable, radical left will riot. If Chauvin is convicted of murder, the rioting portrayed as affirmation that the nation's police are hunting down young black men. If he's acquitted, or even if he's, quote, merely, merely convicted of manslaughter, felony carrying up to 10 years, the writing be more intense. What will be portrayed as systemic racist American denial that it is racist. True justice is individual justice. Awful thing for the country when justice stops being justice, perverted into a radicalized morality play. There can be no coexistence of justice and social justice Latter denies what's essential to a judicial system that aspires to actual justice in criminal cases. The unstinting principle that guilt is individual. We don't hold children liable for the sins of their parents. And we don't hold members of a tribe, institution, community, nation, or race responsible for the crimes committed by their members. We hold the individual person accountable. 
for his or her own crime. Only if the state proves beyond a reasonable doubt on each essential element of the offense or offenses charged. It'd be wrong to find him guilty or Officer Chauvin because he's a cop, because he's white, because the deceased was a relatively young black man. Or, combining all these considerations, his guilt would serve as a narrative popular among progressives, predominant in politics, pop culture, and the press. And as scandalous as a guilty verdict, to be even more reprehensible, would be a guilty verdict induced by jury intimidation. And folks, that is exactly what is going on right now in Minneapolis. And that's why people are calling out Representative Maxine Waters for encouraging jury intimidation. But when you have a system that we're, we've entered into right now, which is, I believe, folks, we have entered into mob rule, right? The whole There was a big undercurrent back in November and the fall. And that was, if you want the riots to come to an end, get rid of Trump. If Trump were gone, the riots will come to an end. That's basically what the crowds were screaming and saying all last fall. And look at the narrative of it doesn't matter if there's a lot of questions about what happened in November. The only thing they care about is that when the votes were tallied, according to them, they won. So Stacey Abrams and Cicilline and the other, they don't care whether it was done properly, whether things were not handled above board. The only thing they care about is they got the result that they wanted. And I think the same thing, Carrie, and it's the same thing with the statues and the monuments. You know, the mob in Providence, and I don't mean the Atwell's Avenue crowd. I don't mean the Federal Hill crowd. I mean the new mob in Providence. They don't care how they got the Christopher Columbus statue down. They don't care that they were vandalizing it. They showed up, a bunch of them one night. They were trying to take it down. They All they care about is they got it down. They got the city to remove it. That's all they care about. And it's the same thing with this. Um, criminal justice system, intentional wrongs. It's hard because Floyd should not have died. That's true. There's no reason to believe he would have died on that day if not with a police encounter. Still, the police encounters brought about by Floyd's criminal conduct. And it turned violent because of his forceful resistance to lawful detention. Most of all, the case is hard because Chauvin and the three other police involved in the incident who called for an ambulance in order to get Floyd medical attention did not intend for him to die or sustain any serious injury. The degree of force they used to restrain him after a forcibly resisted arrest, appears excessive under the circumstances. Moreover, the cops failed to comply with basic police procedures for dealing with a detainee who may be having trouble breathing or has lost consciousness. Nevertheless, Chauvin did not intend to kill Floyd. The case is harder, harder than the 27 million civil case settlement. City of Minneapolis paid to Floyd's family because the criminal justice system is designed to address intentional wrongs. It's never an easy fit for accidents or blunders, regardless how tragic or politically explosive. It's difficult for us to accept, particularly when life is lost. When someone suffers a non-fatal injury because of another person's carelessness, 
we grasp pretty easily that this is what civil lawsuits are for. When someone dies because of someone's carelessness, however, our reaction, angry reaction, natural, the other person must be punished because mere money damage can in no sense compensate for the life that has been lost. But when logic enters into the equation, the logic that undergirds the criminal justice system, we grudgingly understand the apples to orange problem. We convict and punish people taking their liberty away as a penalty for the intention to cause harm. We do it to make make them mend their ways. We're not trying to teach them to be more careful next time. We're trying to overcome their will to pray in society. We're discouraging others. There's no point in doing this to someone who does not intend to cause death or severe injury. Such harms are grave, but they're not driven with the kind of malicious behavior the criminal justice system exists to counter. So the charge is murder in the third degree, depraved indifference. Chauvin faces three charges, unintentional murder, second and third degree, and manslaughter in the second degree. So unintentional murder, second and third degree, manslaughter in the second degree. Now, the writer of this article again writes, to my mind, as the evidence has played out, the easiest charge to dispense with is the third degree murder count. The one the state fought to keep in the case, even though the judge saw no basis for it. It's homicide caused by reckless acts taken with a depraved indifference to human life. The classic example is the psychopath who indiscriminately shoots a gun into a crowd, not intending to kill or harm any particular person, but heedlessly causing a patent patent risk of death or severe injury to everyone in the vicinity. This is not that kind of case. The police acted forcibly in response to Floyd alone. They did not cause danger to anyone else. They didn't even cause danger to Floyd until he resisted arrest. They called for an ambulance rather than trying to drag him in the state house, station house or jail. They used more force, administrated less care than the circumstances, but they didn't exhibit depraved indifference to human life. Now, manslaughter in the second degree, culpable negligence. The next easiest charge to assess is manslaughter. This is a death unintentionally brought about due to culpable negligence. And the writer writes, as I've already noted, the criminal law is always an uneasy fit for harms the perpetrated does not intend to cause. Nevertheless, because of the unparalleled seriousness of the death, the law makes an exception when it's caused by another person's negligence, but only if the negligence is truly extraordinary. For criminal liability, ordinary negligence is not enough. Indeed, Minnesota judges typically instruct juries that even gross negligence is not enough to find a person guilty The state must prove gross negligence coupled with an element of recklessness. The latter is defined as conscious disregard of substantial, unjustifiable risk of death or great bodily harm to others. Judge Cahill will advise the jury there's a five-part test whether an act meets the standard of recklessness. State must prove beyond a reasonable doubt. His actions created a risk. The risk was substantial. There was no adequate reason for taking the risk. Chauvin was aware of the risk. He disregarded the risk. 
but the judge will admonish the jurors the state need not prove Chauvin intended to cause Floyd harm. Police are permitted to use force to affect a lawful detention arrest. It may be superior force. That is, cops are not limited to the kind of force that is being used against them. If a suspect is fighting with his fist or legs, police may use a stun gun or mace to quell them. If the suspect's endangering life, the police may use lethal force. That said, police are never permitted to use excessive force. If a suspect is physically refusing to be put in cuffs or comply with an order to get in a squad car, but not aggressively attacking, cops may not respond with lethal force. They may only use the superior force trying to get someone to comply. Uh, If the suspect becomes unconscious, the police must de-escalate the use of force so it's reasonable in light of the change condition. A salient overarching law enforcement principle is also relevant here. In my custody, in my care. And folks, that's what I have been telling you. If a person's in police custody, not actively resisting detention, and he becomes injured, ill, or unconscious, especially if the person's pulse of breathing is failing, the police are trained to take action, render basic medical assistance, chest compressions. Viewed in line with those standards, the restraint position, Chauvin and the police place Floyd and clearly pose a significant risk. Holding a person in the prone position, part of the weight of three adult men pressing down on him can make breathing difficult. Good argument. Prosecutors have exaggerated the danger of the prone position. Uh, Chauvin never choked him. Claim was he was in fact strangling him by the neck or overblown. Within five minutes, Floyd stopped resisting, was laboring to breathe, and lost his pulse. It is irresponsible for the police to fail to place him aside and render him medical assistance. Chauvin, highly trained 19-year veteran, knew this. The defense claim of fear he may regain consciousness start fighting again is not reasonable. That's why I believe it's highly unlikely he'll be convicted of manslaughter. And that verdict would be... Um, well justified. Murder in the second degree, felony murder. The same cannot be said for the most severe count, murder in the second degree. is charge of unintentional homicide. Unlike manslaughter, though, it does have a traditional criminal intent. The theory is felony murder. A homicide the perpetrator does not intend but commits during the course of carrying out a different offense. In this instance, the offense is criminal assault. Third degree assault under Minnesota law. Whew. This requires prosecutors to establish Chauvin intentionally inflicted bodily harm on George Floyd. That is, the state must prove murder but not for assault. To convict, the jury must be convinced his specific purpose was to inflict physical pain, bodily harm to Floyd was a result Chauvin wondering about. The writer, I do not believe the prosecutors have met this burden beyond a reasonable doubt. There's no evidence He wanted to hurt Floyd in a serious way, much less kill him. The police were restraining Floyd in the street because he resisted their lawful efforts to hold him in the squad car. Surmising he was under the influence of drugs, he stuck groggily behind the wheel of his car. They didn't want to put him on the street. They wanted him in the squad car. He was a big, powerful man. Fought his way out. It's reasonable to believe Floyd would hurt himself if someone else, if not subdued. Police called for the ambulance. Figuring he was on drugs, needed emergency medical treatment. They maintained Floyd in a prone position 
too long with pressure on his back and neck. He complained he was in pain, could breathe. But at least at the start of their strain on the street, the, the cops had reason to doubt his sincerity. He making those same complaints in the squad car. That's true, folks. In the squad car, he was saying, I can't breathe. When his breathing was clearly not impeded. The prosecution's own use of force expert conceded the police operate on the assumption if a person is speaking, he's able to breathe. When Floyd was saying, I can't breathe, police knew he had to be breathing. Let me just, um, <laughs> it's a little bit longer than I thought. Um, I want to just finish this up with what this writer, there can be no credible doubt the police restraint was a material cause of death. But immense reason I doubt he would have died from their strain alone. If Chauvin could possibly believe the restraint technique would not have caused, then it will be difficult for the jury to find beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, if it were not for the fraud atmosphere, I do not believe a jury would render a guilty verdict on second-degree murder. I don't think prosecutors would have charged it. He writes, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that a guilty verdict would be irrational. The police did use excessive force. If the jury does convict Chauvin of second-degree felony murder, the verdict will stand. But the fact that a choice is rational does not make it the right choice. Now, the writer puts, I would convict Chauvin, Chauvin of manslaughter, but not of murder. You know, that's actually what I had said. That was a very long, very well, I'll tweet it out. Thank you, Bruce, for sending that. Um, that's kind of how I view it as well. But we don't know because that was written by Andrew McCarthy in National Review. So um, folks, again, right now at 123, I do want to play some of the sound of President Trump last night with Sean Hannity. Um, I think, you know, it was it was a good interview out of the box. It's the first sit down he's had. It's the president's trying to cope it's not easy being uh, with everything that that transpired, and I think it's gonna it's gonna take a little while for the president to start to kind of um, come into his own. I want to hear though. This was President Trump last night talking about the border. I could show you tapes of him in 2012, and to me, he looks extraordinarily weak, frail. I think it's very transparent. He's struggling cognitively. He usually averages less. We follow his schedule very closely. Less than one event a day. What do you see? How do you grade him three months in? So he's going to be 79 years old. That is not old. I know many people in their late 80s that are just as good as they were years ago. I spoke to one who's 92 years old. He said, I feel better than I did 20 years ago. 78, 79 is not old. Uh, but he, you know, look, uh, I, I don't think it's even appropriate for me to comment on that. It sort of speaks for itself. I mean, people can make their own determination. I know that if it were me, uh, they would be up and down going crazy. Right? But uh, I had an instance where on a slippery, slippery ramp, piece of steel, very steep and very long, no railings, no nothing, and it was pouring at West Point. And the last thing I want to do is go down, because when Gerald Ford went down, it was not good. <laughs> now, when Biden went down, the, Three paper, times. the press didn't cover it. I mean, if you look at... Well, well in fairness, his aide said that the wind, it was yeah. very windy, the wind might have blown him over. Did the wind ever blow you over when you... Well, were- 
Air Force One is a very big plane, and usually what they try and do is shield the wind. You know, when they park it, you can turn it at angles, and so you don't ever have too much. I've never seen too much wind. Uh, it can get a little windy, but not the kind of wind that blows you over. But uh, if you look at mainstream media, or as you say, lamestream media, they didn't cover that. If that were a Republican, in particular, if it was me, that would be the biggest story for the rest of uh, the year. But let me... Let me ask the question from this perspective, because there are hostile regimes and many hostile actors on the world stage. You got a hostile regime in Russia, hostile act of Vladimir Putin, hostile regime in China, President Xi, you dealt with him a lot. I know Kim Jong-un, the mullahs in Iran, looks like Joe's already capitulated on that. Now, you know them well enough. I'm sure they're studying Joe Biden. Do you are knowing what you know, things that I wouldn't know? Are you concerned about their perception of an American president that seems somewhat frail and weak? Well, something's going on because they never did this with me, that I can tell you. Nobody was tougher on Russia. And frankly, getting along with Vladimir Putin is a good thing. And I got along with them very well. The relationship was very good, very strong. But they never encircled Ukraine. And they never, in Taiwan, China, they never said warships all over the place like they're doing now it looks very serious going on with taiwan and that's a long way away that's nine thousand miles away they're right next to it that's like uh i mean it's like very close so now they're something's going on with taiwan something maybe is going on with ukraine this never was a big subject when i was president wasn't at all as far as north korea is concerned i have a great relationship with a certain man that's got great power over North Korea. And uh, you take a look at Kim Jong-un and the relationship that I developed. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. Getting along with President Putin is a great thing. You know, we should be doing business with Russia. We should be getting along with Russia. Instead of forcing Russia to go into the hands of China, the worst thing you could do is put China and Russia together. And they're again, they're together. And they get forced together. The Russian hoax was very, very bad for the relationship that we would have with Russia. But I got along well with Putin. I got along well with President Xi until the COVID came in or the China virus or whatever you want to call it. When that came in, it was a hold. But we had a, we made a great trade deal. Our farmers are making more money than they've ever made. Wheat prices are the highest they've ever been. They're doing great because China's buying so much. This was the trade deal that we made. Folks, in some ways, and again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro at 128 on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Um, at times, the, the president is so funny. That's President Trump sat down. His good friend, Sean Hannity, got the exclusive last night. And in so many ways, the president was right about different things, whether you talk about the trade deal. When you think about prior to the pandemic, I mean, he was ready to cruise for reelection. I mean, that's just, it's absolutely a fact. And I don't see how we're better off. This is insanity. I mean, this is ridiculous what's going on right now. Everyone is waiting to see whether or not if the right verdict, if we get the wrong verdict in Minneapolis, that the country's going to be, all the major cities are going to be, you know, attacked and rioting and more looting. And, and how about now they say the looting, oh, that, that's just a, a different form of reparation. What, what, this, this is completely unacceptable. Where is Biden? 
Where is the president in all this? A member of Congress is encouraging protesters stay on the street, get more aggressive. This Maxine Waters. This is a war against police. Everything is race. I mean, this this is just what have we descended into? This isn't even 100 days yet. All right. Right now at 130, I want to remind you, maybe you're out in the car listing on this uh, sunny Tuesday afternoon to either AM 1380, which is a flamethrower. You can get uh, all the way up to Worcester and all the way down past North Kingstown. Maybe you're on uh, Menden Road, 1099 Menden Road. Stop it and see Marie and It's My Health diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's My Health in Cumberland. She's open right now. Inside the store, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like the incredible antioxidant, acai berry, or maybe some local honey or local maple syrup or beef fresh gum at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Marie also has over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas, hemp and CBD products for oral and topical use, natural skincare, hair care products, essential oils. You can call her at 305-3585. But right now, on this sunny, delightful spring afternoon, Folks, this is like ideal weather. Some parts of the state, it's 72 degrees. Stop in and see Marie. Shop local and get some healthy items at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Well, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. And I repeat, this is, you know, day two now. The jury is deliberating in the officer Derek Chauvin case in Minneapolis that we've been covering And we all have to wait to see, oh, what are they going to decide? And then is there going to be a riot and they're going to destroy different parts of, you know, the United States if they don't get the verdict that they want? Meaning the crowd and the mob. They were doing it last night. Burn it down. Burn it down, as the protesters say. And they've proven they're not afraid to do that. But if you want to see some of the footage, I strongly encourage you, visit the website, petro.com And don't forget, petro.com which is brought to you by J. Freitas Construction. I have a question for you on this Tuesday. Do you need a handyman or do you need some deck staining? You know, it's always good to have a handyman. Call Jamie, 837-4545. Whatever it may be, maybe it's deck staining or maybe, you know, certain little jobs around the house. A handyman, interior painting, some light painting, handyman services, maybe to fix your gutter, maintaining, fixing different parts of your home or office. Jamie at J. Freitas Construction, 837-4545. But you can link right through at the website, which is depetro.com. So I think this is terrible that we're what we're going through right now. Um, And that is the fact that the entire country now, we have to wait to see uh, what exactly is going to happen based on this verdict. And there's just no way to get around it. Now, I'll I'll say this about last night. Um, It was last night in Providence. There were no arrests. I will say it was more... Was it a peaceful demonstration marching around the city? And the city's not that crowded these days because people are afraid to go there, obviously. Uh, But at the same time, 
you know, I, I don't think you, we, we shouldn't ignore that it was a week ago. Um, it was just last Wednesday night when you had someone show up at that Black Lives Matter protest with uh, at least one person, at least one person that they arrested with a loaded handgun for, quote, peaceful process. Um, we haven't had anyone. No one really even seems to talk about that type of thing. Now, some of the headlines, one dead, two injured New York supermarket shooting. Police are searching for the suspect. Also, uh, jury weighs Chauvin fate. Well, no question about it. Now, who is involved? State lawmaker involved. A Rhode Island lawmaker was involved in a three-car crash in 195. State Rep. Nathan Bia of Providence went to get off the highway. SUV was struck from behind, causing him to third vehicle. He's the principal of Alvarez High School in Providence. I am unfamiliar with that individual. I'm also seeing something, folks, uh, that we have kind of talked about, and I've, I've had him on. And it's David from Brood Awakenings, where um, restaurant owners waited for a year to come back. And how many people are going through this uh, as far as having the proper number of workers? There's definitely a shorting staffage. And I noticed that Channel 12 talks to the Square Peg and Warren announced they're going to close on Sundays due to a lack of a kitchen staff. We'd love to be open, make more money, but we don't have the staff to do it. Ten years in business, we've never seen such a shortage available of qualified candidates. Many people are dealing with right now. It, it's, um, but the problem is the, the, it's because of the unemployment. It's because of the amount of people who the average weekly check of unemployment is 270 from the state. But now federal stimulus money is an additional 300. So $570 a week. For sitting home. Uh, DL Department of Labor Trading said 1,500 of those collecting were still working part-time. They're allowed to collect and get their stimulus if they earn less at work than their weekly benefit amount. So, you know, a big part of this problem, you know what, I'll actually um, play some of the sound of this. Channel 12 has a uh, story on it. Um, let me just play, yeah, I'll play a little bit of it. I believe, of due go. to a lack of kitchen staff. Started placing ads Here like we, we do on typical job oh. search engines. In a typical year, if we posted and we do paid searches, I would see anywhere between 20 and 30 applicants a week. We're now averaging maybe one or two. Their other restaurant, Amy's Place in Providence, has been booming as they pivoted to a more takeout and online order model. But Square Peg relies on dining in, whether that's the indoor tables or outdoor. But the main thing, I think, is it's hard to compete with unemployment, and then you get the extra $300, and you're not working. The exact sentiment felt by Newport Restaurant Group. We have 33 cook positions in Newport available right now, and we have uh, we haven't filled any of them in four weeks. COO Casey Riley said they're looking to hire about 400 jobs across their restaurants. Oh, wow. At their Newport County restaurants, they're offering an additional incentive that Riley says hopes will counter the $300 weekly federal stimulus those on unemployment are currently collecting. We're offering, you know, just offering a, a weekly a weekly bonus. 
through the summertime in addition to your hourly pay. So your hourly pay would be what you get paid. If you get paid over 10, you get that too. And then you would get an additional bonus per week. According to the Rhode Island Department of Labor and Training, 8,400 people who once worked in the accommodation and service sector were collecting unemployment as of the latest data from the week of March 13th. Their average weekly check was $270 from the state plus the additional $300 federal stimulus money. The DLT said 1,550 of those collecting were still working part-time. They were allowed to collect and get... $300 stimulus if they earned less at work than their weekly benefit amount. Governor Dan McKee acknowledged the issue in last week's COVID briefing saying he would be working on a plan that helps get more people hired in this sector knowing it's a race against the clock as the busy summer tourism season is fast approaching now. Well, he's not moving fast enough. Again, good afternoon. It's 138. I, I just, I don't see it. I don't think they're moving fast enough. Um... I know that um, I, I don't think they understand. It's apparent to me that they don't understand just how desperate this is. And, folks, it's, it's, it's human nature. If you don't have to, if people don't have to work, if you can earn more to stay home, um, you're, you're not going to get people that are then taking a job. I mean, that's just... A fact, right? I mean, how? why would you not? Um, I want to play uh, Channel 10 Has Sound. The um, public safety commissioner held a press briefing this morning in Providence. And think about this. This is insane how they have to get ready for the verdict. The verdict's going to come down and they have to be prepared if locally there's going to be rioting. Down. NBC 10's Amanda Hoskins is joining us live outside the public safety complex with those details. What you got, Amanda? Good evening. While Providence police say they're certainly prepared for when the verdict comes down, they say they are confident there will be some sort of reaction either way. They're just not quite sure yet what that will be. And we do. You know, days after George Floyd was killed, there was a protest in Providence that turned violent deep into the night. Authorities at that time said outsiders took advantage of the tensions to damage businesses, injure police officers, and even set a cruiser on fire. Of course, days later, there were 10,000 people that were here in Providence gathering for a peaceful protest. Now, Providence police here today say they're asking people, they know emotions are going to be high, but they're asking people to not turn to violence. They say that gets nothing done in this case scenario. Now, police say they've been meeting with community organizers, different groups of people. They say some have not wanted to meet with them, but they've been reaching out, working to help prepare for some sort of reaction after the verdict. Take a listen. Whatever the reaction is here in Providence, we just ask those who have a reaction emotionally or otherwise do it in a peaceful manner. Now, we did uh, speak uh, with police today. They say that they have no threat or that is planned, but they say they know situations are fluid. We also spoke with Jim Vincent, the president of the NAACP Providence branch here, and he says there's a lot of anxiety right now as we watch and wait. Reporting live in Providence, Amanda Hoskins, NBC 10 News. Anxiety amongst who? 
Again, at 141, good afternoon. It's Sean DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Anxiety amongst who? Who, where is the, who has the anxiety? The general public? How about the law enforcement? How about the police? How about the general public? How about shop owners? How about the fact that Providence is the... I, and by the way, I didn't hear anything in that report that an armed Black Lives Matter protester was arrested last Wednesday night. They mentioned, you know, that was followed by a very big peaceful rally, but... I don't hear anything about that. I don't hear anything mentioned about the gunman from last Wednesday night. It, they arrested at least one. I'm telling you, people say there's still a couple that got away. But th- this is... Um, you know, what, what, what is this? Why we all have to wait to see... Whether or not, if the, the, the angry mob, if they're going to get the verdict that they like. What if they, so if they like the verdict, there's no riot. If they don't like the verdict, then everything's ready to go. Now, the other problem with that is the fact that they're already saying that if, in fact, um, there is a guilty verdict, and they even get the second degree murder that they want, that even if that happens, that if anything, they could be riding as vindication of just how bad things were. See, like this is justified for us to be doing this and the police and they did murder him and everything else. It, it, it's just, we, where is all this leading? Where's all this leading? Let me go back to... Um, President Trump last night talking about the border. On with uh, Sean Hannity. We're up to almost 500 miles and completing it was very easy. That was going to be just routine. It would have been done routinely. The contracts were already there. The materials there was going to be done very quickly. And we got delayed for two and a half years because we were sued by Nancy Pelosi in Congress not to build the wall. I won the suits. We won all of the suits. We won everything. And then they... Don't finish the wall. The wall is imperative. All of the things that go with the wall, the technology that goes into the wall and with the wall is so imperative. We had it down to a number that nobody could believe. And then all of a sudden I hear this. Now I hear something else that I stopped money going to three countries. And then you have Mexico where I have a great relationship with the president. He's actually a great guy, different philosophy, but a great guy. He put 28,000 free of charge, 28,000 soldiers on our border to stop people from coming in. And if you look at Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, we were giving them $500 million a year, but they weren't letting us take back these incredible, whether it's MS-13, but horrible people, gangsters, drug lords, horrible. They wouldn't let them come back. So I stopped payment. I said, how much are we paying them? $500 million very early on. And as soon as I stopped paying it, they called. We would love to have MS-13 back in our country. They wouldn't let us. If a plane was flying over, they'd block the runways. If buses came in, they wouldn't let you into the country. So we couldn't get anybody back. Now we just bring them back. He ended that. Now what he's doing is they want to give billions, not 500 million. They want to give billions and billions of dollars to these countries. I get along with all three of them, with the top people, all three of them. 
but they're going to be taking in billions and billions of dollars. And what's going to happen is that money is going to go to people that are going to bring people into our country. One other thing, they're sending us not their best people. They're sending us people that in many cases, not in all cases, are murderers, drug dealers, human traffickers, really bad rapists, really bad people. They're sending us people from their prisons. Those people are coming into our country. And of course, that's just common sense, because all you have to do is take a look at what happened in the case of Cuba. Take a look at what happened in the case of other countries. But the three countries, you have really some unbelievably dangerous people coming into our country. Uh, they're not vetted. You talk about COVID. You talk about all of That's one thing. But they're not vetted from a criminal standpoint. So we have murderers and rapists coming into our country. And they're just walking in. And just to finalize it. We have people from Yemen and the Middle East coming in, and they're coming in at numbers. Now, they can't come in through the airports. They can't get on a plane. And we had the policy, the ban. We had a ban, which was a great thing from very dangerous countries. They're ending the ban. They've already ended it so that people can come in from dangerous countries. But if you take a look at what's happening with the Middle East, many people from the Middle East are coming in through our southern border alongside of Mexico. What they're doing is insane. They're going to destroy our country. Folks, again, it's uh, it's hard to believe that he's out of office, isn't it? It's John DePietro. That was President Trump last night on with um, Sean Hannity. And uh, I thought it was a strong appearance. I think, uh, you know, the president also, he talked a lot about President Trump, talked a lot about 2022 and 2024. I don't know what his plans are. I don't know if he's going to run again. We don't know. It's too early. People ask me, and I, I tell them the same thing. We're, we're not going to know anything until, let's see. Um, let's see exactly what happens with the midterms. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to, is in fact the midterms. If, if they can swing it, and, and I believe that this is a good issue, that this is a good issue for the party. If you're listing right now at 148, I, am, I, I don't have an answer on why the Rhode Island Republican Party and the Massachusetts Republican Party, why they are not using the abolish slash defund the police issue more to demonstrate to people the difference between the two parties. I have no I, I don't have an answer for that because it's a great issue and it's easy to understand. And you have a lot of Democrats that are not comfortable with that rhetoric. They're not comfortable in any way. Hey folks, remember JKL Engineering. Call them today at 401 351 7600 401 351 7600 JKL Engineering. Now, listen, they're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. J.K.L. Engineering, Central Air is a game changer for your life called J.K.L. Not only, by the way, they can install a natural gas, high-efficiency carrier infinity system. They're energy efficient. They're quiet. They're more affordable than you think. If you're saying no gas, no problem. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, they cool in the summer, 
These units are so efficient and can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market. They also do new installation and replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. JKL, carrier factory, authorized dealer, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, for over 54 years, JKL's reputation, second to none, especially for technical expertise and customer satisfaction. JKL, Navian certified factory dealer. Call JKL Engineering today. Remember, estimates are free. Financing is available. Call them 401 351 7600. 401 351 7600. JKL Engineering. So, right now on this very pleasant Tuesday afternoon, it's 150, it's it's 10 minutes to two. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 or 99.9 FM. Whether you live in Bellingham or Cumberland or Lincoln or Franklin, JKL Engineering, they're licensed in Rhode Island or Massachusetts, in Massachusetts, I should say. They'll do it right. They'll do it right the first time. Call JKL, 401-351-7600, 401 351 7600 for JKL Engineering. Well, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. I also want to once again uh, remind you please visit the website, depetro.com, D E P E T R O.com, which is sponsored by Allstate Lock, experts in locking systems, building security, security cameras. Call Allstate Lock today at 401 349 Their website is allstatelock.com, and you can patch right through to their website. Um, But the condition right now in the country, as we're waiting to see what's going to happen, how about the fact Speaker Nancy Pelosi is defending Maxine Waters, saying, no, I I don't don't think she's trying to incite violence. The judge in the case said it was inciting violence. You know, that, that you go back to that and Congressman David Cicilline, that impeachment case, that impeachment case where they talked about, about and that officer and Joe Scarborough saying they beat that poor officer to death, died of a stroke, died of a stroke. All we heard about the Trump people and they beat. How is it that the White House won't? Uh, answer about the protest. The entire country, you know, is is concerned about what the the mobs are going to do when the verdict comes in. This whole George Floyd case, and I think that they gave a basically like a non-answer. We've got to make sure that they know that we mean business. Does the president agree with what she said about getting more confrontational? Well, I can speak to the president's view. Um, He's been very clear that he recognizes the issue of police violence against people of color. Communities of color is one of great anguish, and it's uh, exhausting and quite emotional at times. Uh, As you know, he met with the Floyd family last year and has been closely following the trial, as we've been talking about, and is committed to undoing this long-standing systemic problem. Uh, His view is also that exercising First Amendment rights and protesting injustice is the most American thing that anyone can do. But as he also always says, protests must be peaceful. Uh, That's what he continues to call for and what he continues to believe is the right way to Yeah, but they're not, right? I mean, they're not. They, They can talk all they want, but none of that. 
They're not peaceful, as a matter of fact. They're not peaceful. They're not peaceful in any way. Hey, folks, how about uh, even Chuck Todd questioning Dr. Fauci? Why, why do you have to, if you're vaccinated, why do you have to wear a mask again? Why do you have to wear a mask? Why does a vaccinated person have to wear a mask? Okay, this is something that as we get more information, it's going to be pulling back that you won't have to. But currently the reason is that when you get vaccinated, you are clearly diminishing dramatically your risk of getting infected. That's one of the things we've got to make sure everybody understands. You dramatically diminish it. However, what happens is that you might get infected and get absolutely no symptoms, not know you're infected, and then inadvertently go into a situation with vulnerable people. And if you don't have a mask, you might inadvertently infect them. Now, there's a small risk of that, but it's there. The other thing is that there may be variants that are circulating. We know New York area has their own variant, a 526. There's a South African variant. Fortunately for us, Chuck, the 117 variant that is dominant in... Enough of this. I am Fauci'd out. I I am Fauci'd out. Let's go back to this is Maxine Waters at Brook in Brooklyn Center, Minneapolis. What happens if we do not get get what you just told? What should the people do? What should protesters on the street do? I didn't hear you. What happens? What should protesters do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street, uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they they know that we. What a disgrace! How is that not encouraging violence? That is Representative Maxine Waters. As I played it, even the judge, Judge Cahill, the judge in the trial thought that it was encouraging violence and could result in getting the, if there is a conviction, overturned. It is, I just don't know how this jury, it can really be said to be that they are free from the taint of this. Um, and now that we have U.S. representatives uh, threatening acts of uh, give you that Congresswoman and Waters may have given you something on appeal that may result in this whole trial being overturned. But what's the state's position? Wow. What a line by the judge. Well, I'll give you that. Maxine Waters, who's encouraging violence. By the way, where she's also uh, reckless and irresponsible is first-degree murder is not even one of the charges. But this is the same person. How long has this been going on? She's been encouraging this. She was the one, and you know that. She used to say, get up in their face. If you see them, confront them in the crowd. They are preaching violence. And in all of this, on January 6th, a group of peaceful, you want to talk about peaceful protesters? The people that were marching around inside the stanchions taking selfies with hats and flags inside the Capitol. Where, where that officer was not killed by the crowd. The FBI video of him, he was, uh, listen, it's, it, yes, it's sad that he lost his life. He died the next day. But he was not beaten to death and he didn't die from bear spray. The final... Autopsy is he had two strokes and passed away. Cicilline, that crowd beat him to death. Wrong. Lie. They said that that woman, one young woman, she was trampled by the mob. Lie. 
Total lie. She died of an overdose. There's two lies. Well, two other people died. Both had heart problems out on the sidewalk closer to the speech that never made it to the Capitol. Lie, lie. One person died on January 6th inside the Capitol who was killed. One person was killed was unarmed Ashley Babbitt. She was shot and killed. And the police officer, again, let go. And they never released the name. Hey, folks, right now, 158 on this Tuesday, I want to remind you about our friends at West Fountain Auto Body. If you're ever in an accident, did someone hit your vehicle or maybe someone you know? Call Kenny right now. You can use my name. Say, John DePietro told me to call you at West, four words, West Fountain Auto Body, 272 3340. They'll fix it. They'll fix it right the first time. They're going to work for you, not the insurance company, West Fountain Auto Body. Call them 272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. It's West Fountain Auto Body. Again, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company, West Fountain Auto Body. If you're in an accident, someone damaged your vehicle, Call West Fountain, have them repair it, or have the tow truck bring your vehicle there from wherever it is. West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence, right behind the Providence Public Safety Complex. It's West Fountain Auto Body. Folks, it's John DePietro. Again, I will be doing Facebook Live later. We will monitor uh, the whole situation with the Chauvin verdict. We will uh, resume tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Visit the website, dipetro.com. Now, stay tuned. We're going to have the 2 o'clock news, and then it'll be the John Dion program. I'm back tomorrow at 11 and always on Facebook Live when there's breaking news. Enjoy this very beautiful Tuesday. We'll be back. WNRI, Winsocket.